I want to stop here and pray. I really appreciated Sunday school this morning. Uh, I've been praying this week. I really have been struggling <laughs> this week, uh, trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to speak on um, on Sunday? And uh, some of you know that uh, not only uh, did we move to Concord and we're helping our daughter, but God has given us a puppy. He actually gave it to our granddaughters. But who is taking care of the puppy? Uh, me. So yesterday was my day to prepare for today. But the puppy took precedence. And um, it just didn't work out. So 4.30 this morning, me and Sawyer, the puppy, um, put together this message. So I trust that it will be a, a blessing to you. I just see the hand of God in that because it just goes along so well with what was shared this morning in Sunday school. And I don't really have a title, but I have a question. Uh, what kind of people does God want us to be? What kind of people does God want us to be as Christians? As you sit here today, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, and you're a Christian, what kind of person does God want you to be? If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, I hope as we go through this today, you will understand uh, the importance of doing that, that um, having your sins forgiven, having assurance that when you die, you will be in heaven. Uh, I hope you'll understand that and, and come to that knowledge and cry out to God today to be saved. So what kind of people does God want us to be? So uh, this message started uh, probably this summer in, uh, in the, at the wilds in North Carolina. One of the men that I work with in the mission, Tim Berry, Dr. Berry, was a missionary in the Philippines for a number of years. Now he's come back to the States and he works in the GFA home office. He wrote this book, 40 Days Through the Bible, now listen to that, 40 days through the Bible. He's talking about reading the Bible in 40 days. How many of you struggle to read the Bible in 365 days? Can you read the Bible in 40 days? That's what this book is all about. I said, oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. You know, it takes about an hour and a half of reading, at my pace anyway an hour and a half each day of reading to do that, to read the Bible in 40 days. So I started um, maybe three months ago. I am nowhere near <laughs> the schedule that I'm supposed to be at. Uh, I did good until the puppy came. <laughs> so 40 days through the Bible. So I started it, and it starts obviously in Genesis. And so as, as, we, as you read at that pace, it really compresses the storyline of the Bible. I mean, you're just hearing kind of the same things over and over, and you're following different people through the Bible. Now, I say through the Bible. I started in Genesis, I'm in 1 Samuel now, so I didn't get very far. But don't tell Tim Berry I didn't get very far. He did this with his wife and children. I can't believe it. And I can't even do it. Anyway, just don't tell him that. So what kind of people 
does God want us to be? Let's just pray first and we'll look, look at this a little bit. Father, thank you for um, your guidance. Um, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the message we heard in Sunday school um, this morning. Partly telling us, mostly telling us what kind of people you want us to be. And so we pray that as we go through this uh, message this morning that you would speak to each of us um, and help us to understand what kind of person you want me to be as a Christian. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, reading, reading through from Genesis uh, up to 1 Samuel, anyway, um, through Numbers, through Exodus, through Joshua, through Judges, through Ruth, and now in 1 Samuel, God was pleading, God was pleading with the Israelite people to follow them with all their heart. He wanted the Israelite people to follow him with all their heart. So if you want, you can leave now because what kind of people does God want us to be? He wants us to be people that follow God with all of our hearts. That's what he wants. Some were doing that, but most, most were not during this period of time. Most were not following God with all of their heart. Most were not following God at all, but some were. God had called Abram or Abraham in the book of Genesis. In uh, chapter 12, he told them, you know, leave your home. Leave your home. I'm going to make of you a great nation. What did Abraham do? He followed God. He did what God said. He followed God, and he left his home. First one, God said, I'm going to make of you a great nation. I'm going to give you land, and I'm going to bless those who bless your people. And then we come to Joseph. You know Joseph. He was just a great uh, example of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and just showing us what it means to have a heart fully dedicated to the Lord. He had his problems, as we all do. But you know Joseph, he ended up in prison. Why? He ended up in prison because he chose to follow the Lord with all his heart. He was tempted by Pharaoh's wife, and he refused the temptation. And he said in Genesis 39, verse 9, how can I do this great wickedness and what? Sin against God. Sin against God. So what is wickedness? <laughs> what is immorality? What is pornography we heard about? Sinning against God. Sinning against God. So Joseph followed God with all of his heart. And you remember at the end of his, not his life, but at the end of the time in, 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 um, when his brothers came, uh, he, because that they had uh, put him in the pit and sold him as a slave, he told them, you meant it for evil, but what? God meant it for good. God meant it for good. 
Sometimes when we have difficulties in our life, we can't see the good in them. We can't see the good in it when we're going through it. But Lord willing, in the end we can say, God meant it for good. And that's what Joseph said. And he saved the Israelite people alive. Moses, he reluctantly at times followed the Lord. I mean, he wanted to follow the Lord. He wanted to save his people. He went about it the wrong way initially. And God had to teach him some things. But he ended up leading the Israelite people to the edge of the promised land. The people, the people repeatedly complained and caused problems as they were being led by Moses out of Egypt. They were not wholly following the Lord. And God kept having, we'll say, patience with them. He was faithful to his promise. He wanted the people to follow him, yet they kept rejecting him. God was faithful. They were not. And he gave us actually a foreshadowing during this time of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in Numbers chapter 21, verse 9. It talks about the serpent. Remember, he told Moses the people were, were, were dying because of, of their disobedience. And God told Moses, make a, make a pole and put a serpent on the pole. And, and as the people lift up their eyes to the serpent, they will be healed of this problem. And in John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse, verse 14, we're told, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died to pay for your sin, for my sin. You know, growing up, um, I, I always believed that Jesus died on the cross to pay for the sins of the world. I thought I was being pretty good, so I, you know, I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> you know, Jesus died on the cross to pay for the sins of the world. I didn't really take it personal. I thought I was a good person. The Bible says there's none good. No, not one. The only good person ever lived on the earth was who? Jesus Christ, sinless, Lamb of God. He died on the cross to pay for your sin. He died on the cross to pay for my sin. And the Bible says we need to call upon him. We need to believe in him as the one who paid for our sin. We can never pay for our own sin. Just look, think of your life. Think of your life. There's a lot of you here I don't know. Think of your life. Do you think you could pay for your sin? Jesus had to do it. Previous to this time, in the serpent, Moses had sent out 12 spies, remember, to look, out the land, look at the land, the promised land. There's a children's song. Ten were bad, and how many were good? Two were good. Who's going to sing that song for us? No. Don't, please don't. I'm not going to sing it either. Ten were bad. Two were good. 
Who were the two good ones? Who were the two good ones? Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb. I don't think anyone here could tell me any of the bad ones named. We don't know the bad ones. God wants us to remember who? The good ones. The good spies. What does the Bible say about them? Let's read in Numbers chapter 32, just so we can see it with our eyes. Numbers chapter 32, just two verses here, chapter 32, verse 11 and 12, talking about Joshua and Caleb. Numbers 32, verse 11, Surely none of the men who came up out of Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall see the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. None except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for what? They have wholly followed the Lord. They were different than the rest because they wholly followed the Lord. You know, today, in the world that we live in, if you wholly follow the Lord, you will be so different than everyone else. So different than everyone else. And sometimes we don't want to be. <laughs> we don't want to be different than everyone else. It was difficult, I'm sure, for Caleb and Joshua to stand just against those other 10 spies and say, no, we can do this. But not only did they have to stand against those other 10 spies, but who did they have to stand against? The whole group, thousands of people. And they had to say, and they said, we can do this. God is with us. They wholly followed the Lord. And when they entered the promised land, only those two were left. Joshua and Caleb. The rest died, including the ten who discouraged the people from following the Lord. After Moses died, Joshua came along. He had the envious position of following Moses and leading the people. I always think, I am so glad I am not, I was not Joshua, following in the footsteps of Moses. That would be so difficult. Today, I, I know several churches across the United States where pastors were in these churches for a long period of time. They retire or, or the Lord takes them and their successor comes it's very difficult to succeed somebody who has been leading a congregation or a group of people for a long period of time. That's not an easy thing. Joshua came along because he was wholly following the Lord. God set him up as the next one to lead the people. Did he find a people that was better than the people that were following Moses? No. <laughs> they were just as bad. Even when they were entering the promised land, the land that God had promised them, here they come into the land. You would think 
they would say, praise the Lord. We're going to really follow the Lord. Look what he's done for us. No, they didn't. At the end of his life, in Numbers chapter 24, he pleaded with the people. Let's read in Numbers chapter 24. Verse 14. Sorry, Joshua. <laughs> Sorry, Joshua. 24. This is what happens when you do this at 4.30 in the morning. Joshua 24, putting the dog out in between, getting him food. Numbers chapter 24, verse 14. Joshua, I said it again, Joshua. Verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And Joshua says, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord, our God, who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Did they? Did they? They did not. They did not. They forgot the Lord. They came into the land. The book of Judges talks about this. We don't want to go through that, but... They wanted to be like the people in the land. Sometimes we want to be like the people in the land. We want to be like everyone else. God says, I want you to wholly follow me. It's easy to say to God, I will do it. Like me saying, I will read through the Bible in 40 days. I got like, I don't know, 10 days maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It's easy for us to say to God, I will follow you no matter what. But day to day, it's not easy. It's not easy. We have to understand that. It's just not easy. We need to be willing to spend the time we need to get to know God, to read his word, to obey God, to remember the promises of God, things that were talked about this morning in Sunday school, 
We need to take the time to do that in order for us to be able to wholly follow the Lord in the midst of wickedness. That's what they were trying to do, and they failed. After the the death of Joshua came the period of the judges. Anytime there was a a judge, the people would follow the Lord. As soon as the judge died, the, the people went their way. And at the end of the book, the last verse, the book of Judges, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what? What was right in their own eyes. They were not following the Lord. Everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. 1 Samuel, you know, it's interesting how we read our Bibles and, um, you know, we may read certain books of the Bible more than other books, but we read, we read, we read. I mean, I've read every book in the Bible, you know, a few times and whatever, and sometimes you come to a section and you say, this is new. (laughs) Who put this there? I didn't read this before. Well, you didn't see it before. You read it before. But sometimes God brings things out to you as you're reading his word. As you pray and ask God, God, show me. Show me what you would have me to do. That's how this message came about. I was just pleading with God yesterday in the midst of dogs and kids, you know. Lord, show me what you want me to do. The other day I read 1 Samuel chapter 12. And I'm like, wow. Verse 16 will start. This is at the time when the people were begging for a king. They had a king. They had Jesus. They had the Lord. They had a king. But no, they said, we want to be like who? The rest of the people. We want to be like everyone else. What does God say? No, I don't want you to be like everyone else. I want you to be like me. Holy, following me. Now therefore, verse 16 in chapter 12, 1 Samuel. Now therefore, Samuel says to the people, stand still and see the great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call upon the Lord that he may send thunder and rain. And ye shall know and see that your wickedness is great, which ye have done in the sight of the Lord, in asking for yourselves a king. So Samuel called upon the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die, for we have added to all our sins this evil to ask for ourselves a king. And Samuel said to the people, Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet 
Do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. I'll stop there for a minute. How many of us, how many of us sin today, even those who are followers of the Lord, even those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior, we still sin. And what happens if we bring that before the Lord and ask for forgiveness? What does he do? Forgives our sin. Forgives our sin. I am so thankful I'm living in this period of history, the age of grace, for by grace ye are saved, yet not by yourself, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Praise the Lord for grace. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart, and do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. I tell my wife all the time, I want a truck. I want a truck. She said, what do you want a truck for? She said, I said, so I can pull my boat. She said, you don't have a boat. I'm like, well, I want a boat. You know what? I got my truck. Well, not really. But I, the last two cars that I rented were actually trucks. I said, praise the Lord, I got my truck. You know, and I got this truck. It's like this, I don't know, like double cab or triple cab. It's as long as a, as a semi-truck or something. It has, it has mirrors that go out like 10 feet on each side. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to drive this without killing myself. I, I reserved the economy car. And I get this truck. And I'm like, the next time I rent a, a car, I get the same truck. I mean, not the exact same truck, but truck of the same kind. I'm like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> now where's the boat? No, not really. I say that because, you know, sometimes we turn aside after empty things. After empty things. Empty things that cannot profit, profit or deliver, well, they are empty. I think about that a lot. A lot. I say, I, I'm, I'm doing stuff, and I say, man, I, I could be like reading in 40 days through the Bible. You know, I mean, I could be doing things more spiritually profitable than what I'm doing right now. Empty things. Think about your time. What do you spend your time on? Are there any empty things there that don't profit? Empty things. 
Verse 22, chapter 12, 1 Samuel, for the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Now, this is Old Testament. He's talking to the Israelite people. But God, if we have trusted in Jesus Christ as our Savior, God has brought us into his family. He is not going to forsake us. In fact, it tells us that in the Bible, in the New Testament, he will never leave us nor forsake us. This is our God. And Samuel says, verse 23, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. And I will instruct you in the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with what? All your heart. All your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. Now, Old Testament, different than the day, the age we live in. Verse 25, but if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. God was serious with these people. He was serious. You know what? He's serious today with us. He's serious today with us. What does he want from us? The same thing. He wants the same thing from us. Look at Matthew's gospel, verse 16, Matthew 16. I think I got that book right. Matthew 16, verse 24. You, you know this verse. This is a hard verse. Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and what? Follow me. Deny himself. Give up the empty things. Give up the empty things that do not profit. They're empty. For whoever self would save his life will lose it, but whosoever loses his life for my sake will do what? Find it. Find it. The message of Jesus is the same. He's looking for people who will wholly follow him. Apostle Paul says the same thing. Verses that you know. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I'll just read them. You could probably say them from memory. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, 
by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not, do not be conformed to this world, to the empty things we could add, to the empty things of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that, ye, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. God is still looking for people who will wholly follow him. You know, I tell people that I'm supposed to go to Israel in February. And what do they say? Don't go. Don't go. You could what? Die. You could die. You know what? God wants us to die to ourselves. I'm not looking to go there and die. I really am not. And I'm not going to go if it's really proven to be a stupid thing to do. But today, today, it's not stupid. But if we are following God, if we are wholly following God, giving up our life to do the things that he wants us to do, and if we die in the process, where will we go? <laughs> we'll go to be with the Lord, which is far better. <laughs> I just encourage you today, again, many of you I don't know, to ask yourself, am I wholly following the Lord? Another term for this is consecration. Are you consecrated to the Lord? There's another man in our mission who, who wrote a series, I don't know, three or four messages. It's on the Rooted Thinking blog. Forrest McPhail is his name, about consecration. I would encourage you to read those. God wants us to be consecrated to him. Look at your life. Are there empty things that you could be using that time for something more spiritually profitable? That's what God wants from us. It's not easy, but God is faithful. He'll help us. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. And Thank you for saving our souls, those of us sitting here today who have trusted in Jesus as our Savior. Lord, help us to be sanctified, to be growing in our faith, to be moving towards this holy, following you position that you desire. And so we ask, Lord, today that you would um, show us what the next step might be in our lives. 
It may be for some here today that they first need to trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Take the first step. And for others, it may mean that we give up pleasures of this world to seek to be closer to our God. And we pray that you would be glorified in all these things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.